0: years podcast where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela and I'm Joan. On today's episode, we're going to be reviewing some theories the internet has about various Disney movies and rating them on a scale of one to five in terms of what we think is, you know, plausibility here. One to five years. One to five years. Yeah. <laughs> so so one being no way, uh five being absolute fact
1: i feel like we shouldn't do five years because ears come in pairs it should be like one to
0: six ears. well it's like pairs of ears okay yeah it's, okay it's, it's so pairs like of mini ears. ears yeah exactly okay. exactly all right exactly all right
1: i can right. get behind that
0: but before we cover some of these theories let's get in the disney news of the week so we'll start with the news that Disneyland announced a lot of popular shows will be returning in April. So the Main Street Electrical Parade, Disneyland Forever Fireworks Show, and World of Color are all coming back April 22nd, and Fantasmic will be back May 28th. Uh, and They also announced with this that being that this is the Main Street Electrical Parade's 50th anniversary, they're going to have an all-new ending. It's going to be like 120 foot long float that's going to pull in a ton of different movies. So we're getting Encanto. So this is the first time we're seeing Encanto in the parks. Uh, Raya, Coco, Princess and the Frog, a, a lot more other movies in it. So really exciting that there's a lot more coming back to Disneyland, but also exciting that we're starting to see Encanto. I think this is probably the quickest Disney has ever put a movie uh, in the parks like this, it's not just necessarily like a meet and greet, it's actually gonna be part of the parade.
1: Yeah, that's really exciting. You know, it's been some like a huge cultural phenomenon, and so I think they recognize that it's really the movie has really hit hard with a lot of people, so they're trying to pull it in faster. So I'm excited to see all these things come back.
0: Yeah, I kind of have to think they knew it was gonna be big because it seems very quick that they could pull in a whole a section of this float that's around in Kanto so quickly. I mean, the movie just came out a couple months ago. Uh, now we still have a few months until this opens at Disneyland, but maybe they were working on this ahead of time. I mean, you know, if you have Lin-Manuel Miranda on something, it's going to be good. Um, so maybe they're kind of working on this ahead of time, but yeah, it is exciting. I mean, the, the floats Um, look amazing the Main Street Electrical Parade uh, is always great but the you know this new uh, grand finale float that they have just looks absolutely incredible all right then moving on to Disney World the Flower and Garden Festival starts March 2nd so Disney uh, released some of the menu items Uh, Angela I know you reviewed that you're the resident foodie on the podcast here so (laughs) so what looks good this year at the Flower and Garden Festival
1: okay so there's a couple things that are old and new um The the fried cinnamon bites with cream cheese and candied bacon are back, which is exciting because last time we went down, I wanted to try these minus the bacon, but never really got there just because Epcot has so many amazing foods to eat usually. So that one's at the Epcot Sunshine Griddle. And then they also, um, there's a, I don't remember ever seeing this before, but it wasn't marked as new. There's a house-made Italian sausage and peppers poutine, but it's plant-based. This is over at the refreshment port. So... This was a pretty interesting one. I just thought because, I mean, the French fries themselves don't look that good. It was in a picture. But I just think... you're a big poutine fan. I'm such a huge fan of poutine that I would... This is probably top on my list. Like, this is probably one of the things that I have to get. And then also, they have a couple interesting drinks. They have a salted cucumber apple hard cider, which sounds... Interesting.
0: Not good. I don't like cucumbers in like my water oh, or my, my drinks. Goodness. Like I am not a person that is a fan yeah, of. Yeah, but you're not the target like cucumber here. infused water or anything yeah. like that. Cucumbers are good. Water's good. Don't put them together. No, disagree.
1: And then also they have a lavender martini which has vodka with lavender and lemon. Uh, so I think that sounds kind of interesting, again, for you know people who like to drink whenever they're in Epcot. Also, a good place for cocktails, it looks like, is the, the Pineapple Promenade, which is near the Port of Entry. And they just have a whole bunch of both non-alcoholic and alcoholic drinks. Um, a lot of them are pretty fruit inspired obviously you know being that it's pineapple the one that i thought was really interesting was they have dole whip with mango cream liqueur so i think that would be kind of an interesting you know thing to get and they have like so kind
0: of like an alcoholic dole whip float kind of
1: yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, so I, I just thought that you know, if if you're there and, and if you have kids with you, they have other drinks that are non-alcoholic, like they have Dole Whip with Fanta. Um, I'm a, they don't say what flavor Fanta it is. I'm assuming it's orange, but I feel like we that might have would a be variety really
0: variety too. Yeah,
1: yeah, I feel like that would be really delicious as well. And then for uh, this sounds delicious. I don't know. You would probably never eat this, but. They have a char-grilled bison ribeye with creamy leek fondue, roasted carnival cauliflower, ramanesco, and port wine goat cheese butter at the uh, Epcot Farmers Feast by Test Track. There's a lot going on there. That sounds so delicious, and I'm sad that I won't be trying it, but um, it sounds like there's a lot of really good things in there. And then the final thing that I kind of wanted to make note of because a lot of these places as I was going through, I'm like, huh, that sounds familiar, and it wasn't. It was because a lot of these were, you know, repeats from other years, so we'd seen them before. But the uh, Jardín de Fiestas at Mexico actually has three new dishes, and they it includes a plant based chorizo, a beef one, and a chicken. Um, and I think they're all like, you know, some sort of like taco or tostada. You know, like they're 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 interesting little uh, things. So there's somebody something there for everyone.
0: Yeah, definitely looking forward to trying some of this out when we go in early April. Flower and Garden, I think, is is probably my favorite festival Epcot does, um, just with all the topiaries and everything like that. So it's always a great time to go in the spring, um, but definitely looking forward to trying out some of this food.
1: Yeah, I think that this year I also want to do the – like the scavenger hunt, you know, like the find the spike the bees. We haven't ever done that before because I think we've been in a rush, but this time we're going to be down there a little bit longer than we normally are. So I, I would be interested. And we're going to be
0: running a race. So we're going to be tired. So walking just very slowly around Epcot. Yeah, like meandering. Yeah, looking be for great. Spike the bee will be perfect. Exactly. Though Epcot's a pretty big park. So I don't know if we <laughs> want to walk around that too much. But yeah, we there's could, lots of benches. We can walk slow. Exactly. Take a lot of breaks, get some food. Sit down, relax. I like it. All right. Uh, Disney, they also announced that some rides will be moving off of the individual lightning lanes and moving just onto the regular Genie Plus. So Genie Plus is the $15 a day add-on. It's essentially like a, a paid fast pass. But then there's also individual lightning lane attractions like Rise of the Resistance. So you have to pay an additional you know $10 or $15 depending on the day to ride that. Well, they're moving some attractions off of that Onto Genie Plus, and I think it's due to some of the capacity restraints they have, where a lot of people are reporting it's difficult to find Lightning Lane times for a lot of rides because there's not a ton on Genie Plus. So Frozen Ever After, Space Mountain, and Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway will all be moving to Genie Plus uh, starting February 25th, and it's going to run through the summer. So Disney announced an end date of August 7th. But obviously that could change. That could get extended depending on crowd levels and things like that. So I think this is a good move. It makes Genie Plus a little bit more worth it. Yeah. Um, you know, having uh, you know Mickey and Minnie's, having Space Mountain, having Frozen Ever After—that's kind of one attraction uh, at every park minus Animal Kingdom. So I do think it makes it a little bit more worthwhile, uh, and also hopefully help with some of the capacity issues where it's hard to find, uh, you know, Genie Plus times uh, because there's not as many attractions listed on just the regular Genie Plus.
1: Right. And I mean, I think some of those are really, I mean, those are good rides. Like, you know, last time we were in Disney, we actually didn't ride Frozen Ever After because we saw the line. We're like, oh, that's kind of long. We'll wait till later. It'll be lighter. And it was not lighter. So yeah, I mean, I think these are all good rides. I would pay a little bit to ride them, especially if we were going to be maybe park hopping or something that day. But yeah, I think that's a good move.
0: Yeah, I definitely want to try Disney Genie Plus. I don't think we're going to use it every day of our trip, but I would like to at least try it once. Just to kind of see how it works, how easy it is to get, you know, lightning lane uh, attractions, return times, you know, how many can you really get in a day? Because, you know, there's a lot of people, it seems like it's kind of hit or miss, um, but definitely would like to at least try it once just to see how it works.
1: I feel like it's going to be pretty busy when we're down there because of the race. So I think that it might be a good time to kind of try it too because I feel like you get that when it's busy. So if it's busy and you can't get it, like you can't get rides, then you know it's really not worth it.
0: All right, and then the big news of the week is that there were the media previews over at the Galactic Star Cruiser and the media embargo lifted on friday so there's a lot of information out there a lot of articles a lot of youtube videos about what it is like on the star cruiser and just kind of a reminder to everybody everybody was that was on that for the media event went for free so just kind of okay. keep that in mind you know they were invited by disney um, they were given a free cruise, so they did not pay the five to six thousand dollars. So you know, kind of take everybody's review with a grain of salt a little bit.
1: And also a reminder to Disney that again, we would love to be one of those people that you invite to you know do these free things for. We'll we'll promote you.
0: Yeah, I will say I I maybe we may be too honest for them. They definitely like people that that hype <laughs> them up more. I'm not um, gonna lie. Yeah, yes, you aren't for sure. I mean, I probably <laughs> would love it no matter what. And honestly, you know, love it. But well, but yeah, you will uh, you don't pull any punches if you don't like something.
1: I don't. But I I mean, it is funny because, you know, after all of the things that we watched, you know, we watched a lot of videos about it. I think that both of us ended up kind of feeling like we want to go more than we had been wanting to go before. You know, before I thought it looked kind of lame. But it just seems like there's a whole lot to do. And everyone's kind of saying you're going to be pretty busy i like the create your own adventure kind of uh aspect to it which i think would be a lot of fun and a lot of people say that it's like a game and i love games
0: yeah well that's a good segue because that's what i kind of wanted to get into i was gonna say i think ultimately at least for me i think giving people free cruises worked because it it kind of hooked me on going i mean i was definitely interested when it was first announced and then you know as some of the details got revealed and it and you know, like the lightsaber experience, and it seemed like it was going to be that cool. And, you know, and the, it still doesn't yeah, look that cool. like, the, like the bridge train. I was like, I don't know, this doesn't really seem like it's going to be that great. But reading some of the articles and, and seeing a few of the videos, definitely kind of has me reengaged and, and definitely a lot more interested in going. And I think kind of to your point, what really seems to be the sell and this is, they can't really advertise this. So it makes sense that you know, this is something that's kind of hard to to grasp, but it it is almost like live immersive theater. Right. And so I kind of think of it. If anybody's ever been to New York City, uh, it's it's called Sleep No More, which is uh, Macbeth, and it meets meets Alfred Hitchcock in this immersive theater. Now you are a passive participant in that. You're you're, you're basically like pe- a ghost. Yeah, you're you're watching people, so you're not you know actively involved in the story. Whereas this seems like It is like that, but you are an an actual active participant in the story. So when I kind of reframed it in that regard and kind of read some of the reviews, it definitely seems like, yeah, it could be worthwhile. And I will say, basically, everybody's review is you have to fully commit to this. You cannot be... Even though Disney kind of said, hey, we're going to make it for people that just want to sit around and sip cocktails or people that want to fully live out their adventure. It sounds like if you're one of those people that just wants to kind of sit around and watch you're going to hate it yeah because because again the lightsaber experience isn't that cool you know going to galaxy's edge you can do that anytime but if you fully commit to the story and you fully commit to playing this character there are super immersive elements in galaxy's edge uh, you know on the ship a lot of the reviews even said it's too short which is you know another thing i was kind of worried about that when they're saying a multi day adventure, it's really like one full day and two <laughs> half days. So it does sound like maybe they need to extend it a bit. But it definitely did come across, I think, better than what I was thinking. Is it still worth five or $6,000? I don't know. I mean, that's still a very steep price to pay for a trip for, you know, a day and a half two day uh, trip. But I do think I'm I'm more interested in going now than I was before.
1: The one thing that concerns me is because there's such a varied experience, you're not going to get to do everything and I could see one of us have a vast like having a vastly more satisfying experience than the other one. But I do think that that difference will also make it really interesting cuz we can compare.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point cuz that that was a lot of, you know, feedback too is, you know, depending on the storyline you do, there's there's so much stuff to do, you can't really do it all. In One Voyage, which I think one, Disney probably wants that because that way they have you know repeat customers because one time you go light side, one time you go dark side. I do think it will be interesting to see after this is up and running for a few months and it gets out on the internet because I'm sure people are going to map out what the different story points are, what the different story arcs are of people are going to start realizing hey this is the good one this is where most of the stuff happens and then you're going to have everybody wanting to do that and then you're going to have very few people doing these other side stories that i think this will change over time i imagine that some of the missions some of the story points will evolve because otherwise it's going to be too difficult for disney to manage if you have 400 people on this ship and 350 of them are all following the same path because they read on the internet, this is the coolest one to do when, you know, it's like, Hey, if you follow this person, it's kind of lame. And so they're going to have to now, you know, beef up those other side stories to get to draw people and kind of spread crowds. So I think that is the one thing that's interesting with this is, you know, not only is it live theater, it's kind of improv, it's immersive, but it's going to be like a living, breathing thing that, I mean, truly... If you go multiple times, I think these stories are gonna change slightly. I mean, the you know the overall beats are, are gonna be the same, um, but some of the different missions you can do, you know, may improve over time if it gets out on the internet. Hey, that one's dumb. Yeah. You know, Disney, I think can, you know can see that feedback and can kind of change it. I will say the other thing real quick is the outfits that they sell on the ship are awesome. <laughs> so I wish though they were included because again yeah, you're for charging five or, so yeah, much money for five or six thousand dollars you got to pay extra for outfits they have they now announce you can do a, a photo um op it's a hundred dollars extra so again like they're, they're still kind of nickeling and diming you for everything extra that you want to do i do wish some of this stuff was included more and you know maybe as demand wanes Uh, on this maybe some of that stuff does get included but but we'll see it reminds me of like shark tank whenever people argue over a
1: couple percent and they're like dude it's a couple percent like it it doesn't matter yeah it's i think that the the outfits even you know that's something that i initially said i wouldn't want to do and i think that now seeing it i kind of think i would
0: yeah i mean that the outfits they sell that are exclusive there that they showed are much better quality and very unique compared to like this, the stuff you can even buy in Galaxy's Edge. So it it looks really great. I do think yeah, I mean, Disney's making a ton of money on this thing. I mean, if it sells out for you know, five or $6,000, you can't mean to tell me they can't throw in a robe that they're selling for a 100 bucks, because it's not costing them a 100 bucks, you know, like they can't throw some of that stuff in there. But yeah, it, it definitely looks it looks interesting. It looks better than I was expecting. I do think that immersive element of it, maybe something special there i will be interested to see once actual voyages start this week with real people what mm-hmm. that kind of feedback is you know when you have families that you know maybe aren't super into it maybe don't want to play along are you going to get some negative feedback yeah. there because again these are media people these are the people that were the most excited to go they're getting a mm-hmm. free trip you know of course it's going to come off great to them they're all willing to play along so it will be interesting to see some some real feedback Um, But I I definitely am more excited about it again um, than I I have been in the past few months.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: All right. So let's jump into these theories. So as we mentioned, as we've settled on, ears constitutes a pair of ears. So we're going to rate these (laughs) things from one to five ears. One being we think there's just no way it's true. Five makes complete sense. Probably fact. (laughs) Probably Disney intended this. Yeah, I was going
1: to say this is like one of those things where they wrote it into the the like on the page and in the backstory, but then it doesn't get into the movie.
0: Exactly. Exactly. All right. So the first one here uh, comes from Reddit uh, user lunch 77, and this is around the Incredibles. And the theory goes that Edna mode actually designed syndromes costume and that she purposely designed it with a cape knowing he was up to something that wasn't good. So that it would ultimately cause his downfall. Hmm. And you know the theory goes. You know he he designed you know all of the the robots and the tech himself. So he clearly could have designed his own costume, but his costume style very much matches the Incredibles and the other costumes that Edna has created. If you think yourself as like a top superhero or a top supervillain, you're obviously going to want to go to the best. You're going to want to go to the best superhero you know designers that there is. So you're going to go to Edna, and she did this on purpose to kind of be his undoing.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I can maybe get behind. I, he does have a very, very nice costume. It goes pretty well with the rest of them. I, I think that I say this is pretty plausible. I'd give this maybe four
0: ears. Four. That's That's very plausible. That's pretty close. I, I was going to give it three, but I felt like that was too wishy-washy. So I definitely think it's plausible. I could see this because she does make such a big deal that there's no capes no capes. Right. And so it could be like a, you know, a unique, you know, nod that she did to actually design one with a cape on purpose. But I think the fact that she's so adamant that there's no capes, that like she would never go against that and design something with a cape. So what I could see happening is that She
1: does seem very passionate. Right.
0: So I think this is I'm going to say two ears. I think this is pretty low that this is plausible. But what I do think is plausible is that she did design his costume and, and Buddy, in thinking he is better than everybody else, thought... He added a cape. He after added the it fact. because he thought, you know what? supervillain should have a cape. This costume is missing something. It needs a cape because he thought... I'm better than Edna. I could make her design even better. So I'm gonna add a cape to it. So that's what I think is more likely that she designed the original one and he thought he knew better and added a cape.
1: Yeah, I feel like he w- if he would have added a cape though, she would have made a comment about it because she is
0: sassy. But she never commented on his outfit. So, you know, I think she did it. Maybe she didn't want to admit that she, you know, even worked with him at all. Maybe. All right. Okay, we're going to stick with The Incredibles. Uh, This one comes from Luke Moyer Photography. And this is that Dash's principal actually knew he was a super and covered for him when the teacher said that he put a tack on his chair. So in the first movie, uh, Dash is using his super speed, uh, runs and puts a tack on the teacher's chair right before he's ready to sit down. The teacher sits on it. The teacher takes him to the principal's office. He has video footage of it. Dash moves so fast You see like a little bit of a glitch, but you don't actually see him doing it. So there is some clear evidence that he did it, but the principal kind of plays dumb, says, no, I I don't see anything. I think you're being crazy. The theory goes that superheroes' identities in the world of The Incredibles is protected by the government. So the principal, I guess because schools are run by the government technically, he would be privy to knowing that Dash is a superhero. He knows that he could not break his identity. And so he covered for him.
1: This is definitely one ears. And the idea, you know, word does not pass fluently in a school. The fact that government would communicate to a school principal is so far-fetched. That's that that's where
0: it falls apart. Yep. Exactly.
1: Like, there's no way. And I think that, you know, maybe the principal suspects or maybe he suspects that he's a super. And again, part of a principal's job and part of an educator's job is when you see a kid that can go either way, you know, a kid that maybe could their, their talents could be used for good or bad. You want to always kind of shove them in the direction of the good. So maybe by, by him giving dash the benefit of the doubt there, he thinks that maybe that will help dash ultimately instead of punishing him. Um, So I think that this is definitely one ears.
0: Yeah. I'm with you on this is one. I don't think there's any way this is true. And I'm with you on that. The idea that, principals because they run a school and schools are funded by you know local and state governments would somehow know national secrets of identities (laughs) of superheroes uh, they have a level one clearance yeah it's pretty crazy to me and so i don't think there's any way unless you told me you know this principal was ex-fbi cia and so you know nsa and so maybe he knew that way Um, but i'm pretty sure he doesn't have that type of security clearance so yeah i don't think there's any way him being a principal, you know, that's his connection to the government is gonna make him privy uh, to the superhero's identity here. So, yes. All right. So, the next one comes from J Buck Studios on TikTok. And this one is around Moana. And the theory goes that Moana actually died after being struck by lightning. So, when she goes out to sea, there's that lightning storm. She gets struck by lightning. She actually dies. And that's why, from the, that point forward in the movie, she only encounters demigods. And mythical creatures. She's actually able to travel um, to, I just wrote this down, I don't remember the actual name of it, but where the, the shiny crab is. <laughs> Tomatua. Yeah. Maui even makes a, a point that no human has ever actually traveled there before. And she's able to do it because she's actually dead. But then when she re- returns the heart to Tafiti, Tafiti gives her her life back as a reward, and that's why then she's able to uh, travel home and she's alive again. So she doesn't stay dead. It's that she dies, and then she goes on a journey. It's also why she's able to communicate with her grandmother who had passed, uh, and then because she was able and willing to do all of this in the afterlife, Tafiti gives her her life back.
1: All right. I say this is a solid three ears. And the reason why I give it three ears is because this sounds like a really great literary criticism paper that you could write for your college. Um, I think that it's solid. There's nothing that proves that it's wrong. I don't think there's anything that proves that it's right either. But I think the argument can be made. You can even say, okay, because my one thing that I was thinking that maybe disproves it is that, hey, hey, interacts with moana throughout but then you could say well animals have like a secret sixth kind of sense and they but can sense." does he sense-
0: does he interact with anyone i mean is he's just he, walking he, around being a chicken he
1: almost gets eaten by maui i mean he interacts clearly with
0: maui though maui's alive i and, and there's a lot of theories out there that hey hey is a demigod himself <laughs> protecting moana but no good you're right hey hey is is kind of a, a wrinkle on this one
1: Right. But, but again, you can write that off saying animals have like a, you know, they can sense the spirit world. So, but I think it's, you know, it's solid. I think this is good. If I came up with this, I would be very proud of it. So, um, yeah, I'd say maybe I'll even upgrade it to three and a half ears. So I'm going five. This is a fact.
0: (laughs) This is a good theory. I, I could definitely see this. This is one of those theories that is an absolute fact until they make Moana two and something completely changes it, and you're like, oh, well, now that makes no sense before. But I definitely think this could be true because the the way it's presented, there is a lot of evidence. They, they make a big deal that... You know, she travels to these places that no human has traveled to before. A lot of people see that as leading to, well, she's actually a demigod herself. So that's why she's able to do some of this. But you could also say she died. I mean, she had never been out to sea before. The one time she had gone out to sea, it ended terribly her first time. You know, so she's not necessarily a great navigator. So it it is a little bit of a leap to think, oh, all of a sudden she could be a navigator. So I can definitely see this one being true. And I like the spin on it as opposed to, you know, most Disney movies where everybody's like, Oh, they're, all, they were dead the whole time. It's, they were dead, but then she gets her life back. So it kind of explains to why she's not dead at the end of it, but it's like the sixth sense. She but,
1: was dead the whole time. But here's why it can't be five years though, because it would mean that her basically her spirit animal, I mean, for lack of a better way of, of saying it, her, her grandma has a spirit um creature, which is the manta ray. But that would mean if Moana died, her spirit creature is a human because she stays a human throughout the whole thing.
0: Well, she doesn't know she's dead. It's it's the sixth sense. It's exactly the sixth sense. <sighs> Bruce Willis and if you have not seen it, I'm sorry, but this is an old movie, so spoilers I see obviously. Dead people. Bruce Willis didn't know he was dead. He thought he was alive. Same thing. Moana doesn't realize she died. Her grandma is trying to help guide her through the afterlife and everything. So it's Disney's version of the sixth sense is what Moana is. Essentially. I don't know.
1: Why didn't grandma not show up sooner? Nope. Uh, you know what? The more we talk about this one, it, it, I'm, I'm downgrading this now to definitely like three, maybe even two and a half years. Now I'm definitely, you're, we're, we're actually, you're talking me out of it. Usually you talk me into it. You're talking me out right. of it.
0: I like that. I like this one though. I'm sticking with mine. I like it. I like it that it's a fact that it happened. All right, moving on So this one, uh, back to Reddit. So this one comes from Giggly Cuddler. I love these <laughs> names. <laughs> And this one is around Pixar's soul. So, this is a theory that the souls aren't necessarily souls for humans. So, that 22 wasn't necessarily destined to become a human when they came to Earth. And the idea is that, you know, we see Joe actually take the body of a cat and kind of the mix-up when he returns to Earth. So we know that that these souls are able to embody animals and not just humans. And that how it fits into the Pixar world is that this explains all the other Pixar movies. So Bug's Life, Finding Nemo, Ratatouille, why all these animals are intelligent and can communicate. Now, they can't communicate with humans, but why they can is because they all have souls. So from these souls, some go to humans, some go to animals, and that's why these animals are sentient because they have a soul in them. Uh, it's just that, like we see even with the cat, they cannot communicate uh, with humans. So I like this because it's a tie-in to the other Pixar movies. It kind of explains why you have these animals that can communicate to each other. And it, it does kind of fit in with Pixar's soul because, again, we see uh, him em- embody a cat. I think overall, I mean, I think it's a good theory. I do think there's some holes in it. I mean, I think it's you know it's convenient, but... Even whenever you know Joe's in the cat's body and uh, 22's in his body, they're able to communicate. So if all of these souls, if they're in humans or animals, can communicate, why can't the animals in the other movies communicate with humans? But it is a nice time. I'm going to give this one four ears. I think this is a, a pretty plausible idea, and I think this is a good reason that kind of ties in a lot of the Pixar universe together.
1: Okay, this one five ears. Five ears and this is why because one fundamentally I believe that animals have souls that they are very cognizant of what they're doing, that they have language, all that stuff. So I love this just on a basic belief system, but also because I think that this makes a lot of sense. I mean, the animals in the Pixar like you said, the animals in the Pixar universe, you know, they they can talk, they can do all of these, you know, interactions and things and i think that it makes a lot of sense that some of them might be going to um, some of those souls might be going to animals instead of to people um and yeah the fact that joe is able to inhabit the body of a cat makes a lot of sense i don't care that he's able to converse with uh, 22 though that, i mean that that's definitely the thing that kind of busted a little bit but maybe because how could his little cat tongue and cat throat make human noises i don't know i don't remember do they talk like or do they talk in the brain? I can't remember if they talk out loud or talk in the brain.
0: Yeah, I don't remember. Now that I even say it, I'm not even sure that they really do understand each other. He could just be... Yeah, I don't remember. Now that I think about it, he, he may have just been like meowing and stuff. And and 22 may have not actually known what was going on. So maybe they don't actually communicate. So
1: Yeah, it's been a while since I saw that movie. Yeah,
0: so maybe that was kind of my one maybe knock against this. But you're right. I I, I definitely think... So you say five. I say four. Maybe four and a half here. Uh, no, but I think this is a good one. And I think, yeah it, yeah, it ties a lot. You know, there's all these theories that tying the whole Pixar universe together. And this is one that kind of explains how everything uh, is kind of tied in.
1: The only thing that maybe could partially bust it is that all of the interest? whenever we go to that place where they all see try to find their interests, there's none that's like chasing your tail or anything like that that you can or see is in the there? front. I think we need or to maybe it's hidden it. in the background. We
0: need to rewatch this at like one quarter speed and freeze frame everything and see if we can find I mean, or, something. Or
1: maybe they're just further back and we can't see them. They're off screen. So I, I think Oh no, we gotta look for these Easter eggs. Yeah, exactly. All
0: right. The next one comes from uh, Greg Bonella over on TikTok. Uh, and this one uh, is a common one. It's that Tarzan is related to Anna and Elsa. And the idea here is that Anna and Elsa's parents uh, were leaving to go to Flynn and Rapunzel's wedding when they got shipwrecked. They landed in a jungle. They had a baby and they were killed by a leopard. That baby grew up to be Tarzan. Uh, and so that he is actually related and he is a prince of Arendelle. That wouldn't be that he's
1: related. It would be that he's
0: their brother. Yes, he's that's related.
1: I mean, that's more than related. That's their brother. He's their brother.
0: Yes, he's their brother, and he would be a a prince of Arendelle.
1: Well, I think the thing that would bust this one up is the picture of Tarzan's parents and the part of Tarzan... Like, we've seen Anna and Elsa's parents. They don't look like Tarzan's parents. So I'm going to give this one ears.
0: Yeah, I'm going to give this one uh, one as well because Frozen 2 disproves this entire theory because Elsa finds the ship... At the bottom of the ocean, the whole second movie is about finding out what happened. We find out about the North Aldra and uh, kind of everything else going on with her mother's backstory and her parents' backstory. So I think this was a great theory. And this was definitely floated around after the original Frozen that Tarzan was related to them. Um, you know, they know Flynn and, Rap- and Rapunzel, it ties in cause we see them at the end of frozen one and a quick cameo, but frozen two kind of completely disproves this. So yeah, I'm going one year as well.
1: Also, I think when we talked to Kevin Lima, he said this wasn't true.
0: All right, so the last one uh, comes from Jacob underscore Wallace over on Reddit. And this one is a good one. I, I like this one. So this is the idea that the toys in Toy Story get their personality from their owners. And the whole reason that they are able to come to life and communicate and things is because the children playing with them, their imagination is kind of what powers them. And so the personality of their owners and how they play with the toys... Gives them their personality, so this explains why some animals like Ham can talk because Andy plays with Ham like he's a character and he can talk in his imagination. While others like Bullseye can't because he plays with Bullseye is just Woody's horse, so uh, you know a cowboy's horse isn't going to talk. So that's why he can't talk, and that's why you know Slinky Dog is very loyal to Woody, while Ham and Mister Potato Head are more antagonistic to Woody. They're not necessarily outright villains, but definitely when Andy plays with them, they you know they're kind of on opposing sides so even when uh, in real life they can be on opposing sides sometimes Um, and this is why things like blocks and stuff don't come to life because kids just build with blocks they don't necessarily imagine that they come to life so uh, that's why you know things like that happen Uh, it also explains why you know sid's toys act differently uh, than andy's toys and also why you know the toys at the daycare you know, the kids are playing with the baby dolls like they're babies, so they're not quite uh, as intelligent as other baby doll characters who, you know, they're, they're played with that they're more like adult characters. So it definitely explains a lot and it, and it kind of builds off of, yeah, the imagination of the child and the owner is what drives the personality and brings these toys to life. So what do you think about this one?
1: Well, this is interesting because it, it reminds me of another system where um you know power is got is gotten, which is the uh, Monsters Inc. universe, where you know the scaring and then they find out laughter actually is better as a source of power. So it is an interesting thought that the imagination then is what kind of gives them their their life. Um, so it's a similar system. The one thing I have about this one that and and I'm sure that there's probably more characters that kind of bust this but the one that that sticks out in my mind is Rex because Rex is a massive scaredy cat but whenever I think I think there are scenes in the beginning one where we see Andy playing with Rex and he is like he's just a full-blown dinosaur so he's not like a scaredy cat so that one I think you know his character is comedic relief but he kind of also disproves this theory but other than that I love this theory so I'll give it four four ears because I want it to be true but I think that there are some holes in it.
0: Yeah, I mean, some of the other ones are like the Etch a Sketch and the Speak and Spell, where they come to life, but you know they're not—they're not something that's you know played with. Like they have a voice. Now, I will say they don't talk, so you know that kind of comes to life. But they are probably more like blocks. But again, maybe Andy sees them. You know, he's more imaginative with them, so that's why they have some life to them. I like your tie-in with Monsters Inc. I never thought of that. Of how. Kind of the laughter of children, the imagination of children has power, and so it could be powering these toys. It's definitely a good theory. I think the longer Toy Story's gone on, there's been so many different toys that you know, even with Toy Story 4, we kind of find out that some of the toys turn once they've been abandoned. And so you know, maybe you could argue that their personality is changing because they don't have a child personality to rub Ooh. off on them
1: oh does that mean that that you know whenever they don't have a child that they're actually going towards their real personality
0: perhaps yeah so so maybe maybe you could argue that but i also do think some of that shows hey their personality is just kind of changing on their own and it's not necessarily set by the child i agree with you i i, I want to think this is true i think this is a solid theory i'm gonna go three ears with this i i like it I think it does explain a lot. I do think there's some holes in it, like we said with like Rex. That's a good point. Uh, you know the Etch a Sketch, uh, and even yeah, as the more movies have gone on, you, you kind of just you don't see it. I mean, I think Buzz Lightyear is another one where it's like he thinks he's real. So if if yeah. it's Andy's personality rubbing off on him, why does he think that? It is interesting, and you know now that I'm talking and I'm thinking about Toy Story four, Forky, he comes <laughs> to life and he's trash and he comes to life because Bonnie thinks he's alive. So maybe there is something to this. Bonnie does kind of will him into existence to a certain extent. Uh so now thinking of that, seeing now that, I got to upgrade this now from a 3. I'm going to go I'm going to go 5 on this one again. I'm going to say this one is pretty close to fact as you can get. That Because it, this, with Bonnie, that put me over the top. With Bonnie bringing Forky this, to life.
1: This is like the physical manifestation of Inside Out. Like where you have Bing Bong who is real because... Riley invented him, and but now this is like an on the exterior world with toys. Yeah, I love a, this. There's a
0: lot of that in Pixar. That you're right. That like, like a synergy. That, no, but like the power of imagination. children's imagination yeah. or laughter or things like that can can bring a lot of stuff to life. Yeah, I forgot about Bonnie, but the fact that she brings a fork to life <laughs> is, I think, proof enough <laughs> that that maybe. You know, maybe the, the children's personalities don't fully rub off and form them, but they're at least what brings them to life. So it's close enough for me. I'm going to go five years on this one as well. All right, <laughs> I so think th- I said four, but yeah. sure. Four, yeah, you got four, I go five. We're, we're good. So that wraps up the show for this week. Yeah, this was
1: fun. I liked this. Uh, yeah,
0: let us know your favorite uh, Disney Pixar theory over in the comments, over on our Facebook page, Enchanted Ears. We'll maybe pick some of them to do another round uh, of this.
1: Yes, absolutely. I'd love to.
0: I want to thank everybody again for listening this week. If you've not done so, please subscribe, leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps and we really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for lending us your ears.
0: Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.